0: Oh! to see Bryce perform uh, in this uh, theater uh, dance performance thing. It was so interesting. Scattered across the campus, several of you guys got to be a part of that. Um, so there's some theater elements, there's some dance elements. It was all really cool and really interesting. And you walked around campus to to kind of just experience it, right? And, and then the dancers would lead you to the next area and you'd experience that. Um, and, and the dance Pieces were evocative, they made you think of different pivotal moments in civil rights history. Um, different pivotal Level in Memphis State, were the first eight African American students admitted here at the university. What's the University of Memphis now? Was Memphis State uh, at the time? A huge, huge, pivotal moment, right? In in desegregation. um, Just an amazing historical moment. And it happened right here, right Right here where you go to school, uh, right here on this campus. Powerful, pivotal moment. What we're thinking about tonight, what I want you guys to think about are these pivotal moments in history. These moments in history that you say, and after this moment, nothing's gonna be the same, right? This changes everything. This changes everything. Now, I, I, I think in a lot of ways we're in the middle of one of those. Right? In, in a global pandemic that no one in our lifetimes has ever faced, um, and we have so much upheaval in the country. a lot of ways, we're in the middle of a pivotal moment. There's still God wants to teach us in the middle of these pivotal moments. You know, we just came off, uh, came off the tails of a, a major political election, a presidential election, and also with tens of thousands of other government. Local and national, as people were voted into office. Uh, the current current projected, right? The current current projected president-elect administration, Joe Biden, I believe, is one of the, the oldest, right? All oldest, oldest presidents to, to take the seat when, when, he, when, he, when, he, when he assumes office, right? Uh, and then the other pivotal and historic moment is uh, in his running. Kamala Harris to be the first woman, the first woman elected to uh, the, the executive branch of the government. Right? So it's a historical moment. It doesn't matter what you think, what you believe, hey, go to like, you know, that's something, right? Like, that, that's a historical moment. That's a pivotal moment. I'm reminded of eight years ago. Jack and I were interned with the Council of the University of Arkansas, right? We had our intern staff meeting every week where all the interns met with the director and have, did important staff meeting and stuff, right? But it was the day of President Obama's inauguration. And I'll never forget this. So our director said, hey, you know what? Staff meetings canceled the day. This is too important. Like, this is a historical event. Like, then again, no matter what you think, no what you believe, how you vote, like this is a big deal, right? For the first black man ever, ever, ever the take that, that office of president, is, we're gonna people stab me. We're gonna watch this inauguration. Everyone was like the living room area at the coffee house. He turned on the TV. Of course, it was televised on every station there, and to watch that, that inauguration that was a pivotal moment for our country, right? The First, not a white person, right, to serve to serve as the president. Um, Pivotal moments. So that's what we're thinking about tonight, these pivotal moments that change everything. In the passage of Scripture we're looking at tonight, we're going to see another pivotal moment that's going to forever change how the early church perceived its own identity and its purpose in the world, right? It's a pivotal moment where the church is like, whoa. And, and they realize something about their own identity, and they, they have, have a, a realization of what God's purpose is for them in the world. And if you have your Bible, going to in Acts chapter 10, are also going to be on the screen behind me, uh, Acts chapter 10 if you're following at home. we go through a series in Chiapho all semester going through the New Testament book of Acts. Right? Acts is a study of the very first believers, the very first Christians. We've been studying the lives of these believers to find out what we can learn about God, the character of God, uh, and His plan for our own life from studying the lives of these first Christians in the early church years. Um, and, and God has taught us lots of so, so We've been studying on Thursday nights. In family group, and the now large group, and also in our small groups, our life groups. I just want to take a minute here to acknowledge everyone like, that's helped with this. Like, if you're a life group leader and you've been leading life group this semester, could you raise your hand? I'll acknowledge you. Right, several of you are here. Some of you guys are watching at home because you're in that quarantine camp. Want to acknowledge you too, man. Lead a life group in a pandemic, hosting Zoom calls. And Here on, on Thursday night, and I want to thank you guys. Thank you guys too. From Acts chapter nine about the conversion of Saul. Uh, Saul, this man, uh, a zealous Jewish man, that saw Christians as heretics and was trying to persecute them, have them thrown in prison. He's on his way to a city to have more of them put in prison when he has a dramatic encounter with Jesus, and God changes his life forever. And, and Jack, Jack, talked about that last week. Of course, there'll be more of Paul as we continue uh, as we continue to read Acts. And then in life this week we read about Peter, right, and two miraculous. Uh healing and then, and then raising a woman from the dead that happened as Peter is ministering in the coastal city of Joppa. So we're going to continue with Peter's story tonight. We're going to read about this pivotal moment in the history uh, of the early church, this pivotal moment that's going to forever s- change how Christians see the world and their place in it. So you've got to be clear all throughout Scripture that his love was for all of mankind, that he loved all people, and his plan from the very beginning, was to reconcile all human beings to Himself, right? When he, when, when the Lord made a promise to Abraham, He said, "All the nations of the world are going to be blessed through you, your descendants," right? All the nations of the world are going to be blessed through you. When God gives the Law through Moses, right? In this Law, the, the way that the the Jewish people, the, the the Israelites, are to live and conduct themselves, woven into this Law were provisions for people that were not Jewish, that were not Israelites. To come, you know, aliens, foreigners, to come and worship the Lord be woven into the community of God. Because God's love was for the whole world. So as we read the narrative of the Old Testament, we see God's plan for reaching the whole world was to bless his people, the nation of Israel, like crazy. So the surrounding nations will be like, oh, the God of Israel is the real God, right? This idol that I parked in the backyard that looks kind of like a fish is doing literally nothing. Now right? let me go and worship the Lord, right? So that's God's plan all throughout the Old Testament. To bless Israel. So that the nations could come and know, know the Lord, right? Uh, when Jesus comes on the scene, and he talks about that God so loves the world. God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. When Jesus gives the great commission, he says, go into all the nations. Yeah, go into all the nations. Make disciples of all nations. Not just Jerusalem, right? Not just Jewish, guys." He says, go and make disciples of all nations. After Jesus raises from the dead and ascends into heaven on the day of Pentecost, on the believers, Peter stands up and preaches a sermon. At the end of the sermon, prophetically, he says, this promise, right, this good news of the gospel, this promise of the Holy Spirit, is for everyone, even those who are a long way off and everyone who the Lord is going to call. The good news of the gospel is for everyone, right? The message of Jesus is for everyone. The forgiveness and the reconciliation, the love of God the peace through Jesus is for everyone, right? And as you read, you know, starting Genesis all the way to Revelation, we can't miss it. God loves everybody. The gospel is for everybody. God desires everyone to come to know him and to come into a relationship with him. However, at this point in the history of the early church, the church was mostly mostly just people coming from a Jewish or Samaritan background. Mostly just people coming uh, that had grown up in that sphere of Judaism, right? Uh, we, we didn't see the nations right, coming to Christ yet. We didn't see the gospel being brought to all these different people Yet. The gospel, which was intended to be good news to the entire world, at this point in the history of the early church, had not yet spread to the Gentiles. It had not yet spread to the Greeks and the Romans, right? The people living outside uh, of, of the influence of Judaism. It had not yet spread to the, the pagans and these other people groups that surrounded them. Well, that all changes in the passage we're looking at tonight. Right? That all changes in the passage we're at tonight. Now, it started to change a little bit we read Philip's story, right? Philip has the opportunity to witness to uh, this Ethiopian man, uh, a eunuch, he shared the gospel with him. Uh, this guy was trying to trying to, to serve Yahweh, trying to know uh, he'd get woven into the Jewish faith. Um, we're going to see now the gospel brought to the Gentiles. with was God's plan for the beginning, uh, starting in Acts, chapter 10. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to jump into the first one. Okay, Father God, thank you again so much for the opportunity to be here tonight. God, I pray that you prepare our hearts to receive your word, that you would till up the soil of our hearts, it will be good soil that your word can implant in God, that can grow in and bear a harvest of faith, a harvest of righteousness in each and of us, God. Holy Spirit, would you speak what only, only what you want spoken, God? Would you connect with hearts? Would you be exalted, Jesus? We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Of course, it's going to be up there on the screen. You can follow along in your own Bible. Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 1. the angel answered your prayers and gives to the poor to come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon. that's Peter, who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Now when the story gets recounted again in Acts chapter 11, um, they, we also see the angel tells Cornelius, he's going to bring a message through which you and all your household will be saved. A message through which you and all your household will be saved. So verse 7, when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was also one of his attendants, and he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa You repeat repeated, right? So what uh, Luke backs tells us about Cornelius and his family here is that he is God-fearing. Now Cornelius is not a Jewish man. He's not a Jewish he's, he's not Hebrew. He is a Gentile. He's a Gentile. He's a a soldier, part of this regiment, uh, the Italian regiment. He's a Roman guy, a Gentile. But it says that he's God here. He has a reverence for God, a love for God. He's trying to do right, right? He's trying he believes there's a God. And then he's trying to to give to the poor. He's trying to live a righteous life. And you guys, may know people like that, right? People have people in your own life who would say, yeah, I believe there's a God. And i believe if I do do good things. He's going to reward me for that. I believe I'm going to. Years, right? He believes he, he, he there's a God, and he's trying to live in a way that God would accept, but he's not heard the good news of the gospel and had a relationship with this God through Jesus. Well, God sees that, and, uh, and it says it's kind of risen up to him, he sends an angel, that says, hey, I'm going to send a guy to you, that's going to share good news to you, and your whole family's going to be saved, uh, and send some guys to go with get this guy named Peter. So that's exactly what happens. We transition to Peter, uh, and Peter Again, he's been ministering in Joppa. We talked about it a this week. Ministering in the city. God's working miracles. Uh, he's standing at this guy's house, Simon the Tanner. And he's up on the roof, right? And he, 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 it's almost meal time. He's up on the roof. And God gives him this vision. It's a wild vision, right? Well, we're not going to read each verse of it. Um, we're going to kind of paraphrase it. but in this vision, he's up on the roof. And, and God stretches out a big blanket in front of him. A big blanket in front of him. Uh, and on this blanket are every kind of animal, right? There's all kinds of wild animals. Uh, all kinds of animals are here on this blanket, on this sheep. Uh, and, and then here's a voice that says, As Peter, go kill and eat, right? And so Peter, a good and grew up Jewish guy, uh, grew up with the laws of Moses. guy says, ah, well, God, I can maybe eat some of these. But certainly I can't eat all of these. Some of these are not kosher, right? So we, have, we have laws against eating some of these animals again. This vision happens again. No, Peter, go kill and eat. And then a the third time, no, Peter, go kill and eat. And Peter's like, what does this mean? Right? right? Some of these animals, I, mean, I, I learned the law all my life, are unclean. Like, I can't eat some of these things. It's going to make me they're unclean. It's going to make me unclean. I can't eat these. I can't even associate myself with these. God, what do you mean uh, when, you, when you say go, go kill and eat? Um, so he's sitting on the roof, right? Kind of wondering, God, what do you mean uh, by, by Wondering that when these guys arrived, Cornelius had sent. So we're going to pick up uh, in verse 17. Pick up in verse 17. The end of this vision, the voice speaks and says, Not to call anything impure that God has made clean. So don't call it impure if God made it clean. So he says, What does that mean? Verse 17. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius, found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking of Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the man, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, "We have come. From Cornelius the centurion, he is righteous and God-fearing man, respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And Peter invited them in to come into the house as guests. The next day, Peter started out with them. And some of the believers from Joppa went along. And the following day, they arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them. And had called together his relatives and his close friends. Like, Cornelius is ready. He's like, man, I'm... Everybody come over to my house. There's a guy coming. He's going to tell us about the Lord. Everybody come over. Right? Call, call your aunt. Call your cousins. You know, want everybody over for this. Y'all need to meet this guy. Cornelius was ready. Verse 25. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet in reverence. Some of your translations might say he started worshiping him. Right? that you need to worship. Stand up, i just a man. Verse 27, while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. We don't know how many people, but it's a large gathering. Yes. And because Jesus has come, we're in a new covenant with God. And some of those old rules that the Israelites were to follow, that were ceremonial in nature. Right? Jesus has fulfilled those laws where we didn't know we need to continue to do those things. There are moral laws. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. There's moral laws. Those things are always going to be true. But there's ceremonial laws about are wearing certain clothes, wearing your hair a certain way, eat certain foods and not these other foods. Those ceremonial laws are done away with in Christ. Christ has fulfilled those laws for us, and we're in a new covenant of grace uh, and by, by faith in Jesus. So there's that surface level, and there's also this deeper level of division of it. Peter's not about animals. There's human beings that you see as unclean. There's people that you see as unclean that you've got prejudice against, and I want to deal with that here. Peter. So Peter's having this light bulb moment. Verse 34 Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. He says, I now realize something about God. You know, he's been serving God in his whole life, and he, he, he hung out with Jesus for three years, and he's the leader of the church. He says, I just had a light bulb moment, right? If you when you're the pastor? God can show you stuff, right? If you when to hear, you're the leader, and God can still have a message for you, and he says, Guys, God's got to do that for me right. God's showing me, He doesn't show favoritism to anybody. God accepts everyone. God loves everyone. He says, everyone that does uh, what is right, it's not that that acceptance from God is based on the right that they do, right? Um, it, it's not those, those good works that make them acceptable to God. As we're it's what Jesus has done for them on the cross that makes them right with God. But they saying that, that that love is for everyone. He accepts someone, someone from every nation. Uh, there's not certain people groups that God says, no, not you, not you, you, but not you, not you, no. Know. He says it. He doesn't show favoritism. He accepts everyone from all nations. God does not show favoritism, and we must make sure that in the way that we relate to other people, we don't show favoritism either. We don't show prejudice either in the way we relate to other human beings. In many areas of life, it's natural to have favorites, and we talked about some of them. It. It's natural to have a favorite. Food, a favorite color, a favorite sports team. It's even natural for you to have favorite people. Maybe if you have a best friend, a person whose presence you prefer to anyone else, right? You may have a best friend or, uh, or a certain group of people you like because of their sense of humor or something attraction to them. And that's okay. That's okay. When it becomes the problem though, is when these preferences cause us to treat other people unfairly or unjustly. Now we've all got favorites, but we don't need to show favoritism that's gonna lead us to treat other people with prejudice and treat other people unjustly or unfairly, you hear me? And so that's what God's wanting to deal with here. It becomes a problem when we treat others unjustly, and that favoritism, showing favoritism and special privileges to some people and denying them to others is ungodly. God does to show favoritism, right? If we're gonna be people of God, we can't show favoritism either. We can't be prejudiced to certain people groups and certain kinds of people either. Favoritism is ungodly. It's the exact opposite of God's character. And it's particularly harmful when these prejudices keep us from loving others and keep us from sharing the good news of Jesus with them. So Peter immediately recognizes what God's doing this morning. The purpose of that vision on the roof and why the Lord had led him to this house. So he proclaims the gospel to this family right in there. He says, I get it. I get it. I've been prejudiced. I've right? I, I, I shown preference, favoritism to the Jewish people, sharing the gospel with them, and even though God made it clear He loves the whole world. I'm not made of much of a priority to bring the gospel to the world. I get that now, and y'all are all gathered here, and let's do this thing right now. He shared the gospel with them right there on the spot. He said in verse 36 You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who's Lord of all. You know what's happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John the Baptist preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good things and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses to everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from He says he's not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. It's not like not literally everyone in Jerusalem saw him, but a lot of people did. First Corinthians 15 tells us that first to 500 people saw Jesus alive after the resurrection, after he'd been crucified. Lots of people saw him. Lots of eyewitnesses. Even ate and drank with him. Verse 42. He commanded us, as Jesus, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he's the one who God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's the good news of the gospel. God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Right? As Jesus died on the cross, God, the greatest miracle in all of history, and lay all the punishment that I deserve, you deserve for everything we've ever done wrong, and hang it on Jesus's shoulders instead, so that God could extend us grace and mercy and forgiveness, and welcome us into the family of God, where we put our trust in Jesus, Savior, when He adopts us into the family of sons and daughters of God. Is that good news, right? You've got a seat at His table, right? You've got a room in His mansion, It's your name on uh, it, by, by faith in Jesus. When this life on earth is over, we have eternity in heaven with God. By putting our trust in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. Amen. So Peter shares this message with this, this, this crowd, his family, and is hearing it for the very first time. Verse 44 says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who come with Peter, that means they're, they're formerly Jewish, you know, Jewish, Jewish converts to Christianity. For they with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit was being poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising the Lord. So, I don't know if that was, it says, says while Peter was still speaking, right? So he's not even got to his conclusion yet. I don't even know right. if he got to his third point, right? He's in the middle of speaking, and the Holy Spirit's poured out, right? And, 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 and these listeners they put their trust in Jesus. They received the Holy Spirit. and began praising God. And they also began speaking in other tongues, like, like the believers did on the day of things. that they're being baptized in water. They receive the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and he ask Peter to stay with them for a few days. Right? So the baptism of the Holy Spirit in this moment, God's Spirit poured out on his believers in this moment, was a sign to the Jewish believers that, hey, Gentiles can get saved too, right? Like, at this point, I don't know, there's a misunderstanding. You know, the the Scripture, if you clear about it, it's for everybody. Even though Jesus has been very clear about it, it's for everybody, there's still this misunderstanding of like, but most are just Jews, right? It's like, no, it's for everybody. So when they see these Gentiles, full of the Holy Spirit, praising God, speaking in tongues, like, oh, now I get it, right? The Gentiles can get saved too. Gentiles can know Jesus too. Uh, and then Peter's like, well, next logical step, let's baptize them. Let's baptize them in the water. Now they're... And, and so, so God is dealing with Peter's prejudice but also the prejudice of the early church. And this is a pivotal moment where that shifts. And it's like, no, this is for everybody. This is to go to all nations, to all people. Um, and, and again, this, the, the supernatural form of the Holy Spirit cemented it for him. Right? That was the sign that he needed to be like, oh God, I see what you're doing there. So what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us? 2020, University of Memphis, what does it mean for us? We've got a God. Maybe to deal with the prejudice in our hearts, right? You think, man, I'm not prejudiced towards anything. I'm not. I'm not racist. I don't show favoritism. But man, I think deep down, all of us have some issues of prejudice that God probably wants us to to deal with, right? But we've got some people or people groups or individuals that when we look at them, and it's hard to feel all the love that we know that God has towards. Even though theologically we may know this is a human being made in the image of God, so that we have value and dignity and worth. Maybe our emotions haven't connected with that and we don't love them that way. We don't see them that way. We need God's help to deal with this in there. God, would you deal with my prejudices. Maybe I see and people from So for some of us, God wants to work on that tonight, to deal with those prejudices. Some of you may need to put your trust in Jesus tonight, like Cornelius and his family did. Maybe maybe you've heard the gospel before, maybe this is your first time hearing it tonight. Maybe you're watching on a live stream and you're like, oh, okay, that's why Jesus came. I've heard about this Jesus, guy. that's the deal. God sent Jesus because he loves you so that when you put your trust in Jesus instead of your own ability to do right or wrong, God can forgive all your sins. All your mistakes, everything you've ever done wrong can be washed clean you can have a fresh start tonight. When you put your trust in Jesus be made right with God and receive that gift of forgiveness and eternal life. So we guys will pray and put your trust in Jesus tonight. Then finally, as Peter was preaching and believers received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this gift of an infilling of the Holy Spirit, so we to say, man, i need more of God's Holy Spirit in my life. All right, a couple weeks ago we prayed for this too, but let's pray for it again, especially if i going through a long break and, and, and thinking about God I just need more of you in my life. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit in every way. Uh, Especially to help me to love people. I want me to share the gospel to people. Give me that boldness uh, to to overcome prejudices and reach out to people around me. God, I need more of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Jeff Jeff is going to come and play. we're just going to respond uh, these next few minutes in prayer. You can stay in your seat. Stay where you're at. You can can sit or stand or kneel. We're just going to respond these next few minutes and, and ask God. And one of those three things are us. right, God needs to deal with hurts uh, and prejudices in my own heart. God, God, I just surrender to you and say, God, help me to have that light whole moment, right, whatever it takes. wake um, me up to what you want to do in my heart, what you want to show me. Uh, let this be a pivotal moment in me. It was a pivotal moment for the early church, right, when they said, oh, right, we're supposed to be a light to the whole world. Like, oh, we're supposed to bring this hospital all nations. So it was a pivotal moment that changed the church forever, right? The church before Acts 2, the church after asked him, man, this is a, a pivotal moment where everything changes. It might be a pivotal moment for you today, I right? think God's this is a dramatic in your life. How you see other people? How you relate to other people? Um, so we're going to pray and ask, ask God to do that. Um, but we'll, we'll just start there. This is just right where you're at. This is the heads that you agree with me in prayer. Father God, look at our hearts, God. Uh, would, you, would, would you look at our hearts and Holy Spirit, would you just put a finger on it? Uh, anything that's in our life, God, that's not pleasing in your sight. God, if there's any favoritism or prejudice there that we have, then we're holding on to, God. God, we know it's not right. Help us to lay that down. God, you heal hurt in our hearts. that's maybe turned into an ugliness and a prejudice God, God, when there's favoritism, or we're, we're treating people unfairly. Like it may not even be that. We just we just kind of you know, look down on certain people or we say, ah, I can't really see myself hanging down with certain people or Kind of prefer with these people over here. God, we know that favoritism is not from you. So we deal with it in our hearts, God. Help us to be more like Jesus in every way. God, help us to love all people. Help us to see every human being, regardless of skin color or nationality or ethnicity or background. Help us to see every single human being is created in the image of God with value and dignity and worth. God, every single human being is someone God that you love. Christ died for. Help us to love them that way, God. Some people are difficult, God. Some people are hard. But God, help us give us the grace to see them like we see them, God. To be sympathetic and empathetic. I mean, their life experiences have brought them to where they're at. Maybe they're difficult, maybe they're hard because they've gone through stuff that's made them to be that way. God, help us to be impatient with them and understanding with them and gracious towards them, God, like you've been gracious to us. God, transform our hearts, God. Help us to love others better. Deal with our prejudices, God. Deal deal with favoritism, deal with racism, God. We don't want any of it in our hearts, Lord. Help us to love all people. Help us to love everybody, God. And help us to be bold to share the gospel with people that need to hear it, not just the people that are easy for us to talk to, but everyone we put in our lives, everyone we put in our sphere of influence, God. Help us to share the hope we found in Jesus. If you're in here tonight, get you know, every head, every eye closed just to, just to give privacy to your neighbors who are having this personal moment with God. If you're here tonight, you say, Matt, I need to put my trust in Jesus. I need God's forgiveness. Uh, maybe I've never done that before. Maybe I'm far from God. If that's you tonight, could you raise your hand so I could pray with you? Say, "Man, that's me. I need to put my trust in Jesus. I need to ask God to forgive me. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else say, that's me. Man, I'm far from God. I need to put my trust in Jesus tonight. Thank you, God. You can put that hand down. Father, we do. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We to put our trust in him and what he did for us on the cross, what we can never do for ourselves. God, please forgive our sins. God, we thank you for your word in 1 John 1 9. It says, when we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God, we, do. we put our trust in you. We ask you to forgive all our sins and give us a fresh start you. Make us a new creation. Adopt us into the family of God as a son. As a daughter, God, we receive your forgiveness. We receive your eternal life, God. Help us to live for you from this day forward, God. To turn to you, to follow you, to the best of our ability to live for you from this day forward in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, finally, if you're here and say, Man, I just need more of your Holy Spirit. I just need more of your Holy Spirit. And just call out to God right where you're at. Just position yourself before God right where you're at. God, I want more of your spirit. We we'll want more of you, God. Fill us to overflowing with the Spirit of God. We we'll want to be led by your Spirit, God, and decisions we have to make, God, we don't want what seems right in our own eyes or what our preference is. God, we we'll want to be led by your Spirit. Would you lead us to people, like you led Peter here, lead us to people that need you, Jesus, so we can lead people to Christ and make disciples, God. Lead us to people that, that they need love, and we can be that, be your arms and your hands and feet, God, be that instruments of your love and your peace, God. Fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit, God. We cultivate in our hearts a greater love for you in every way, Jesus. Jackie's going to lead us in a song here in response. Uh, we're just going to hang out in this moment saying, God, we want more of you. God, we need more of you. We're not going to be content with what we've got. God, we want everything you have for us and nothing less. God, fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.